on this week's show. Ready to lead his team out in the biggest game in their history, we're here from Maidstone United captain Gavin Hoyt. I remember a lot of the fans coming up to me saying, oh, do you remember last season? I remember you coming over to us and saying sorry, like, sorry about the performance. And then now look at us. Victory for Tunbridge Angels at Dover Athletic. Jay Saunders pleased with the win, but wants a bit more composure in front of goal. In the forward areas, for whatever reason, we've not been able to, to kill teams off when we've had chances. Even Saturday against Worthing, we probably could have gone in three up at half-time. Didn't do that and we ended up losing the game. In the dugout at the age of just 23, new Sutton Athletic boss Ryan Huckle tells us all about it. I started coaching young, started my managerial journey young and, and obviously it's got me to a place where now I can I can look to kick on, even at the age that I am. And the wait for a win goes on. And Mark Stimson's finding it hard to attract new players to join him and his Margate revolution. I thought it possibly may have been a bit easier to get one or two players in, uh, but unfortunately at the time, Christmas time, players don't really want to leave. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Sandwich Town Youth FC. And we've got four interviews for you this week, including an FA Cup hero, and a manager who makes both of us feel very, very old. Uh, I'm John Phipps, and while I'm trying to be less of a grumpy old man, I really need to make a quick PSA that if you are having a conversation on a train that I can still hear above the music being played through my headphones, you are speaking too bloody loud. And on the line now, of course, is the man you seemingly want to call if you need an away win. I'll make it four in a row for you, Matt Gerrard. How are you? Not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Yeah, um, yeah it's been a, a good week. Is that four? I've got... Am I an away team specialist? Am I four away wins? I was trying to work out. I mean, you keep going to Margate, so that's always an away win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You go keep to Crabble, going, going, going. You yeah, go to Crabble that's an away win. And you went to Hyde as well, and that was an uh, away win. Yeah, so, that's true, yes, yes. So I'll make it four in a row. Maybe you should have gone to Maidstone at Ipswich on Saturday. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I should have done that. So, yeah, um, yeah good about that. That would be a hell of an achievement, wouldn't it? So if they can do that, yes. Uh, well, again, go, it's nearly coming up to a cold calendar year that I haven't seen Dover win, Wowzers. which is quite impressive. Yeah, I might yeah. buy myself a cake when that happens because it's going to happen. Do you remember? Maybe you should get some t- a t-shirt made. Like, do you remember those fellas who came up yeah. to you after when Dover actually won a couple of years ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, I don't think they don't don't think they even bother coming anymore. <laughs> That's how bad it's got. So even they've got fed up. <laughs> those were the cl- who knew that those were actually the glory days but yeah, exactly yeah 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 that's like two years ago now isn't it two years ago yeah yeah it's two years ago yeah yeah unbelievable it might actually be the anniversary today for that wow used as fact used as fact no yeah so no but again that's another story isn't it, it certainly is uh, uh, well you've just told me a, a shocking revelation uh that you're in bed recording this week's podcast well, I, I am dressed, but it's so cold and I, I've got an electric blanket because the wife's away with work um, in Europe for a couple of days. And I thought I, I could sit in there where I normally do it. Or I could just go straight to bed, put put the electric blanket on and keep myself warm. So um, and I'm hoping that if I'm in bed, the dog will probably sit on the warm blanket as well. And she won't want to try and go outside. So I am tucked up in bed. So and, and highly likely because this is an earlier recording. As soon as I send the button to send this to you, I'll probably go to bed. So there you go. So, which is good for me because I do like my bit. You are living the dream, aren't you? Well, home alone without the wife. So I've got to make sure the kids are um, all under control and organised for school tomorrow. So because they haven't really pulled their weight when I've asked them to do jobs. So uh, um, clearly that they listen to their mother, but they don't listen to their father. Can't get the staff these days, can you? 
Like you can't. Weather's been nothing. Do you know what? There was all these weather warnings and all these named storms. Worst weather for me by a long way was last night, Tuesday night. It was horrible, wasn't it? The the weather at the Dover game was absolutely horrendous. That driving incessant rain. Yeah, we, luckily um, we're under cover at Crabble in, in in the press box, which is getting more, which basically needs a clean. I don't, think, I don't know the last time the windows were clean because it was steaming up, and I'm too bothered. None of us were going to go outside to clean the windows. So yeah, it wasn't probably the worst weather I've probably seen this season at a game of football. I, well, I mean, I was late home, coming home from work on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, and honestly, the weather was awful when I was driving home. Uh, there was a tree down, so I had to take a detour. Um, just generally unpleasant. And then when I got back here, it was blowing an absolute bloody gale. So yeah, we, you know. we didn't have that much wind around here. So, but again, temperature wise, it's absolutely. I went out with in a uh, rain jacket when I took the dog out earlier. So it was that nice and. Uh, um, not warm. So, but that's, but I would presume it's quite nice. But I have to say, at football I was on Saturday, my feet were absolutely frozen. And I, and I, and I had my long johns and a pair of thermal socks on. My oh, feet were like rocks, ice. They were so, but, and again, people who moan about the hot weather, you know, sit at a football ground in January, then they'll, then they'll mo- they won't moan about anything ever again. Yeah, and as we said last week, come and stand outside a dressing room and wait for a manager and a player in the dark. Yeah. That is, honestly... Again, first world problems, mate. First world problems. Yeah. Uh, well, we do this so that people don't have to do that. So, you yeah. know, we, we're actually the good guys here, mate. Well, yeah, and, and yesterday at Crabble, it was so bad, they let us do the interviews inside as well. So that was very nice of them. Blimey. That's good, old, good old Dover Athletic. Yeah. Oh, do you know what, actually, on that, before we move on... Um, I've just been thinking, when I win the lottery, I'm going yeah. to buy Dover Athletic yeah. and I'm going to name that press box after you. All right. Brilliant, You've probably sat in it more than anybody else. Uh, probably, yeah. Probably I have done. Um, again, if you if you buy Dover Athletic, would you take them to the glory days? Or your, your manager, so it's up to you, mate. Uh, definitely. Well, oh, I'd love that. Do you know <laughs> what? Again, would you like to run a football? As in... No. Be involved. No, not as you know. Would you like to be involved? You know, because I know a lot of people who are secretaries or get used to other things like that. Would you like to be involved? Not putting money in, but in the background, doing things like jobs and things. I think I, there's part of me that would love to, but I just know it's it's such a big commitment, isn't it? And I wouldn't want to let people down. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, as much as I obviously I love non football, and I have I have the utmost respect for everybody who, who does that. But you know, it is that thing of you know, if you're a club secretary or, or something like that, you've got to be there on that freezing cold day in, in January. You know, you, you can't just say, oh, I fancy this one off. I'm going to go to the Maldives for a fortnight. You, you have to really, mm. you know, put the hard yards in. I, you know, I, I think my talents lie elsewhere. Um, so I like giving back um, through doing a podcast. Uh, and that's how I feel we contribute, Matt, uh, to the world of non-league but, but, football. But, but what one day, when I, when I, if I've got time and I'm not... You know, maybe I've retired. I'd like to give something back, maybe at Dover Athletic and be in, do some admin work, you know, something like that. I think that's what I'd like to. I'd love to be involved in running a football club without putting loads of money in because I haven't got, any, I haven't got loads of money. Well, maybe one day. You never know what will happen when, when in years to come, but time yeah. will tell. Uh, it's our 282nd episode this week, and that is the height in centimetres. 
of the highest backflip ever performed on a pogo stick, 2.82 metres. And so take a bow, Kurt Mark Wads, as I'm quite sure I couldn't get 28 centimetres on one of those things the right way up. Have you used uh, a pogo stick? No, no. No, I'd be terrible at that. I reckon I'd fall straight flat on my face. You know, you do one bounce and then I haven't really got much of a sense of uh, um, balance. Yeah. No, Why would anybody want to use a pogo stick anyway? Well, this is the thing. Like, I thought they were quite outdated. I thought they were quite an 80s thing. But um, actually, at the weekend, uh, one of my future nephews was bouncing around on one. So seemingly they are still a thing. Um, but we, we he, he was back very competent, was he? No, but he was very competent on it. I mean, much more competent than I would have been. Was that, was that been. his head trick so he could sort of spin in the air and stuff like that? I think he's 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 a, a novice at the moment. Um, but I think there is potential maybe in his future um, to to start Did doing. Did you wear a crash helmet for that? Well, he was indoors um, doing it there, so he was just being, he wasn't wearing a crash helmet, but um, I'm sure if he were to try and do some backflips, it would be recommended that he popped a helmet on, yeah. Um, There are also 282 points in Hammurabi's Code, which is a series of laws in ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, One of the rules was an eye for an eye. So I'm going to add that, Matt, to the lengthy list of things that are really interesting, but was nowhere near the teaching that I was afforded uh, in my days at school. I'd much rather learn about stuff like that than bloody air raid shelters. That's what I remember doing. Industrial Revolution and air raid shelters is all I remember doing from history at school. What a load of nonsense. Uh, well, it was my, my one of my uh, my eldest is doing they do a couple of GCSEs early. She's l- learning about various poems from the First World War. So, oh, God, I remember doing that as well. Oh, yeah, no. so that so so again, they she may use the dice them afterwards, but maybe not. But um, it's like this. But that's how we're learning. There is seem to be a bit crazy stuff that they do learn at school these days. It quite reassures me that in. What, 25 years since I, more than that, 30 years since I was doing things like that, it hasn't gone on uh, and progressed that was that no. they're still doing those World War One poems. But, I mean, but again, I, I have to say, my excitement, I did um, in English literature, I don't know if they still do it, She's Leaving Home by the Beatles. Oh, wow. And that, again, and, and it is one, you know, I always love that song because we analysed it for English GCC. Again, I don't know if anybody does do what they're doing it but surely covering the Beatles at the GCSE is better than maybe something else but yeah, well, that's, that you, you, that's how you engage your kids isn't it oh yeah. brilliant yeah oh, perfect well, I know a teacher maybe I'll get her to play the Beatles yeah I'll find out yeah ask them if they still do the Beatles because that <laughs> I, was... don't, I don't think they do it in reception class but I can ask no, no. but yeah again GCSE surely the Beatles should be top of the list yeah, definitely. Let's, let's learn about that. Uh, anyway, let's get on with the show. And of course, we have to start with one of the most exciting games you've ever had since you've been doing this silly little show. If not, actually, one of the most exciting games in Kent non-league history. As Maystone United travelled to take on Ipswich Town in the FA Cup fourth round. It's live on the BBC on Saturday lunchtime from Portman Road. With the best part of 5,000 fans roaring on the stones, it promises to be a day to remember. Leaving the Stones out at Portman Road will be defender Gavin Hoyt, who started his career at Arsenal. But as you can hear, this will be one of the best days of his footballing life. Matt started by asking Gavin if, when they set out on this cup run at Staining Town on Saturday, September the 16th, could he ever have imagined the run that they've gone on? <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, even you go back to last season, um, getting knocked out by Nina Market. I mean, you would have told us that the next season, the following season, we would have been... In, in in this position, everyone would have been like, what's going on, really? So, I mean, it's a credit to everyone, like, 
everyone that's come in, it's basically, it isn't, it is a new team, right? There's a lot of new players. So I think everyone's just gelled together. Um, just, um, followed on from, um, pre-season really, just built on from that. Has it been that the, the cup, you know, does give you a bit of momentum when you've got to the fourth qualifier, you know, I think the fourth qualifier round, you beat Torquay, which is a good result. Because not many people would expect you to go there. And it, it just brings confidence and self-belief, does it, the cup run? I think um, the cup run's a bit weird because you just, it's just like, you take every game as it comes because you, obviously you don't know who you're going to get next. So it's just like, uh, uh, it's just that one game and anything can happen in that one game, really. So you just got to put all your, all your effort into it, into that single game, huh? Yeah, I've been I've been at the Barrow game and the Stevenage game, and um, living long in my memory, I'm not a Maidstone United supporter. But what it meant to people around the club, I, I presume you know, it, it, last season was a bit difficult. But putting smiles on people's faces and bringing memories to them and yourself must be what one of the reasons people watch and play football. Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, the disappointment from last season um, compared to this now is. Is unbelievable. I mean, after the game, I remember a lot of the fans coming up to me saying, "Ah, oh, do you remember last season? I remember you coming over to us and saying sorry, like sorry about the performance." And then now look at us, like we're the same people there celebrating. So it's nice, like obviously to, to see them fans as well to go from that extreme to another. Um, yeah, I mean it's great. You, you go into these games with no fear, really, and you don't know the outcomes and just work hard together I'll work hard as a team and you never know what's going to happen and <laughs> you've, results. You, you, you've had a stellar career uh, playing for Arsenal where does this game stand on your one as one of the biggest games you've played or wh- wh- where would you look at it as yeah definitely I think it's it would be up there because it's definitely one of the biggest because um, uh, there's, there's different um, different things about it isn't it like obviously start of my career um, playing at Arsenal preparing for that but then now I'm at the end uh, I haven't obviously I didn't play at the highest level for for the longest I could but I mean I've come down lower lower down now we, we've been through what five or six rounds now to get to this stage and at the end of my career near the end coming to the end uh, I don't know if I'll ever get this opportunity again so I mean to be able to captain the team as well to leave the team out to those two wins, those few wins, and then get to this big stage for the clubs, for one of the, big, the club's biggest history. I mean, it's massive, that. It's, it's an unbelievable achievement aside at Conference South to get to the fourth round. Can you look back on it when you're watching the game and think, wow, what an achievement this is? Or is it just focus on the game now? Yeah, um, yeah no. you got to have that. It's in our minds at the back of the line, like, what an achievement. Because I think, Someone said to us the other day it was seven hundred and thirty two teams enter the, the the FA Cup where one of the only thirty two the last thirty two left. So I mean what a great achievement that is. Again, South team getting all that way. No one would have believed that. Yeah, I suppose that's the magic of the FA Cup. Um Ipswich, we'll talk about them for a bit as well. Um played Leicester last night, riding high, could be a Premier League side. Um, next season, what do you expect from them? I mean, you're going to expect like a very tough game. They're going to be very good technically, um, very fit. But but that's the the joys of the FA Cup. You just got to go there. It's one game. 
we've got no fear. There's no pressure on us uh, like before. Um, we've just got to be physical with them. Can't show them too much respect. Can't we can't um, uh, think about it too much. So we've just got to play our game really and just try and try and stop them and see see how we can hurt them. I suppose you know you being the captain and what more the experienced heads in the team. I suppose your um, experience and know-how. I suppose you, you've got to put that onto the players who may not have played in front of a, a big crowd like thirty thousand before. Yeah, so you know, I said it before as well. I think if in the in the previous rounds, it's easy. It's easy as a captain to get up to the uh, to get everyone up for these games because it's easy what to say, isn't it? Because everyone everyone's excited. Everyone's up for the game that's that's what we're there to play for that's what everyone everyone plays football for to play like the biggest games it's just um, I think we just got to say try not to do too much as a sense because people might think oh yeah big crowd I might try and beat <laughs> beat five players and then just try and stick it in a co- top corner but that the likelihood of that to happen is very slim so I think you just got to try and keep everyone level headed keep everyone a bit down to earth and then just just work hard as a team, really. Uh, talking, about, I think your manager will probably do that. George Elkoba, you've played alongside him in defence. Now he's a manager. Um, what's he like as a as a What was he like as a player? And is he different as he was as a manager? Oh no, he's exactly the same. I think uh, changes how he plays. Even now, he forces that onto us. Um, I think you can see in our performances throughout the season, uh, very professional. Um, and just never say die, never say give up. We never give up, and we're just just a hard working team trying to get results. Uh, whatever game comes towards us, uh, I think you can see him on the side as well. He's ready. He's re- he's ready, and that it, it brings that onto the players as well. Definitely. I've looked back. You have played at Ipswich Town before's ground. Did you know? Do you remember that? Yeah, is that um, Watford, that, isn't it? That's it. You come on as a sub back in March yeah. 2009, so a good 15 <laughs> years ago. Can you remember much about that? Yeah, um, slightly. I do remember coming on. Um, not, I don't remember too much about it. I'm, I'm sure. I think I'm sure we lost that game. <laughs> I think it might be nil nil. I think I didn't check the result, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, you've been there. Again, I don't think the grounds played too too much as well, but. Um, yeah, so are you a player who remembers all his games? Uh, no, so I remember a few. I do remember playing in it, but I don't remember too much about it. <laughs> but I do remember like coming on and things like that. But I, I guess um, the stadium would have changed a lot yeah. by now, like the pitch and things like that. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, finally, you're going to be nearly five thousand fans are going to travel to you. Whatever that happens on the on the day, it's. It's a fantastic um, day for Maystone United and for all the players and staff. Yeah, definitely. What an opportunity for us um, playing against the top championship to the side. Uh, great day out for the fans as well. But we, st- we still, we don't want that to end. We don't want it to end. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say, really. But what an incredible day. Everyone just can't wait for it. I take it you're staying over in a nice hotel beforehand, so it's an early kickoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, they haven't told us too much about it yet. So when we find out, um, yeah, we you know what we're doing. Right. Well, w- wish you all your luck from the Kenton on League podcast, and you've been a credit to the 
uh, County of Kent. Good luck and um, let's hope those memories continue. Yeah, thank you very much. A massive moment for him and his team on Saturday, Matt. A great day for everyone connected to Maidstone United, isn't it? Yeah, when I was talking, I mentioned that. What they've achieved here, and when he put it into perspective, the amount of clubs left in the competition. They're the only non-league club left, I think, now. They're in the south, so not many sides get to that right. What an achievement this is. Um, and I really hope, I know a couple of Maidstone fans, and they're going... Uh, uh, It'll never be, they've never been so more excited in your life. And I think they're making a whole weekend of it. It'll be absolutely unbelievable. Dare to dream. Um, why not? I just hope those fans see a Maidstone goal. If they lose, just get a goal in there and just enjoy it. I thought Ipswich have been great. I think £10 a ticket is unbelievable, really, isn't it? What they've done, expecting 30000 there. Yeah. What an achievement. And this is, Maystone will be an excellent foundation and whatever may happen as a Maystone United fan going forward, you'll probably never forget this. Going to that fourth round of the FA Cup doesn't happen very often. So enjoy the day. Um, and please for Gavin, and he sounded like a schoolboy as well, how excited he was, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And it's great to hear someone as experienced as him, that the captain, the leader of the team, you know, he's still excited about it, but also very level-headed. He's, you know, we're going to play our game and, and we're going to get things, we're going to do things right. You know, it's important that, yes, it's a massive day, but I think, as we know from uh, what Steve McKim said about when Tunbridge Angels played Bradford a few years ago, you can't go into it and w- w- with the wrong mindset. You know, it's, it's important that you go there and give it your all. And don't try and pander to, to the opposition that you're against and, and really give it a go. And, you know, Maidstone have beaten two football league teams. They go there, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. It's going to be fantastic for them. And, you know, all you can hope for is at the start is that you give a good account of yourself. And 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 as you say, if they were to score, I'd imagine the scenes would be incredible. Even if it were to be a last-minute consolation, those Maidstone fans will still be singing in the 96th minute, won't they? And, and you know, I, th- I think it's... An incredible opportunity for them, an incredible opportunity for all of those players. You know, when, when you've got someone who started his career at Arsenal and has played at that stadium before and he's still really excited about it, that really tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, from, I've spoken to a few other supporters. I, every team who's not a Maystone fan will be absolutely jealous of what Maystone are going to have. It's just the whole day, the excitement. Um, just if you are a Maystone fan, just try and Drink it all in as much as you can because what an occasion this is. Live on the telly, it's not too far to go. 5,000, again, constant singing, brilliant. Again, can they dare to dream, John? You never know. You never know. Ipswich, probably you know, nine times out of ten, they're going to beat Mainstone, but never know. Why can't it be the one? I didn't think they'd beat Barrow. I didn't think they'd beat Stevenage. Can they do it again? You know, be a fantastic achievement. It would be, I mean, it would be one of the most uh, amazing results has ever happened in the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, if they were to do it, but as I say, you know, they, they've they've proved, they've shown their metal. They've got good players, and Ipswich have got their eyes on other things. Ipswich are a very very good team, and I'm sure even if they rest a few players, they've still got massive strength in their team. But I don't think Ipswich can afford for a second to think that they can take this lightly. And, and I'm sure Kieran McKenna, who 
uh, by all accounts, is a very, very impressive young manager, um, will be drilling that into his team, that they can't afford to, to take Maidstone United lightly. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can play them. And it was interesting to hear Gavin Hoyt talking about George Ellicobi there, saying he's exactly the same uh, as, as a manager as he was as a player. And, and you know, you kind of get the feeling that having seen him play at the, at the highest level and everything like that, he's the sort of guy who would run through a brick wall for his team. And it sounds to me like he's got his team feeling the same way. Yeah. I think, um, George Ellicobi level headed. Um, I'm sure he'll be excited at the thing, but he'll get drilling into his players. Um, right. We can maybe do make a cause of shock here, be solid, be organized, try and, um, keep them at bay and hit them on the counter attack. But yeah, George Ellicobi's done an unbelievable job at Maystone United on that. And he's got his day in the sun there. And I'm sure the next few days, um, the media around George will be um, pretty heavy. Um, and, and he richly deserves all the praise that comes his way from for an achievement, John, that how long we've been doing the show, seven years a week, something like that. Yep. Yep. I'll be impressed again within the next 10, if we carry on doing this, um, that another Kent non-league side gets to the fourth round. It shows what an achievement this is. Oh, it's it's absolutely phenomenal, and and you know, well done to everyone at Maidstone United, and you know, Maidstone good luck to Oliver Ash. I'm sure, yeah, he'll have a wide um, smile on his face as well. Um, again, the money will be fantastic, but how proud he will be as the owner of Maidstone United, um, seeing five thousand of his fans going there. So, um, do you know what I was about to say? I was going to say people at the club. Uh, you know, uh, Oliver Ash has always been phenomenal for this show as well. You know, he's he's spoken to us. Uh, whenever we see him at games, he always makes a beeline to come and say hello. Um, you know, and and it's people like that who you feel happy for, and and you know, people behind the scenes who who are always there for Maidstone United, and 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 you know, they've done a. It's oh, it's it's the stuff of dreams are made. Of. And the fans, John, and when the club folded all those years ago, and they were travelling all over the sitting board and Ashford, and and uh, all those hard days of you know, why do I bother, you know. Are encapsulated on Saturday at half twelve when they um, see their side kick off against Ipswich, and you know it'd probably be quite emotional for some of those fans as well. Unbelievable, yeah. And I hope every single one of you who's listening has a fantastic day out, uh, whatever the scoreline. Enjoy yourselves and wear that amber and black with absolute pride because you should be thrilled with everything your team has done to to put. Uh, them and this county on the map and also a massive thank you um, to Gavin Hoyt for that because I'm sure like everybody else he's going to have a lot of press this week so uh, it was very nice he was able to make time to to talk to us so uh, so yeah. thanks for that one Matt. Yeah yeah very nice very nice you know very well you know gave him his number and he you know he's very yeah no problem I'll do it so that was really good so thanks for that and also to Ian Tucker for um, giving me his number. Yeah, and of course, Ian, I hope you enjoy your day uh, as well. Uh, let's move on then. In the league, the Stones are still fourth in the table after a 1-1 draw with Braintree on Tuesday night. That's three without a win uh, for them after they lost 2-1 at Slough on Saturday. They may have other things on their mind. Uh, it's a very tight race for the playoff spots, though. Uh, one of the teams in the chasing pack now are Tunbridge Angels, who bounced back from a 1-0 defeat at home to inform Worthing on Saturday with a 2-1 victory in pretty awful conditions at Crabble on Tuesday night. Insert your own gags here about what it's normally like at Dover on a Tuesday night in January. Knock yourselves out. Uh, after that win, Matt spoke to the Angels boss, Jay Saunders. Yeah, I, listen, I'm disappointed. I, I'm, not, I'm not disappointed with performance. I thought at times we were good first half. I felt we should have been out of sight. 
goal we've conceded is very scrappy and that's no disrespect to, to Dover but I felt we should have had the game wrapped up really at half time didn't do that and it's probably why we are where we are in the league and, and not in amongst the playoff places because this year defensively in general we've been better even though we've had constant changes there but in the forward areas for whatever reason we've not been able to, to kill teams off when we've had chances even Saturday against Worthing we probably could have gone in three up at half time didn't do that and we end up losing the game so it's something we need to address but all in all, it's about bouncing back. It's a Kent derby and um, we've, got, we've got three points and we move on. Yeah, I thought from the, probably about the 10th minute to, to they scored on the stroke of half-time, you dominated and I say you, meant, you missed a few chances. I thought you looked pretty dangerous, particularly on the wings. Yeah, look, we, we, Paris has obviously come in and he, he's getting better with each game. Uh, Francis was called back. Uh, I just felt at the weekend we lacked an option in wide areas. And then when Jamie Fielding pulled out late this afternoon... Um, and Ansu as well it meant Mo had to go left back Liam inside and I think that's about our ninth centre back partnership this year so it's difficult but um, to be fair they've come in and done well Francis has got his goal and uh, he's had a couple of good games down at Margate we've kept an eye on it and we called him back and he's got the winner tonight and I'm pleased for him How does that work? Because he's joint uh, dual reg Yep Margate won't have him now on the weekend after he did score with the winning goal No I think I'm going to upset a few people down there at my old club but um it's just showed, I was at the game on Saturday against him and he's, he's got something about him. Yeah, he's, he's... Listen, Francis, we took him... I think he was playing for Sutton Common Rovers last year, a lot lower, and um, he scored at Torquay this year. He changed the game when we went to St Albans. I just felt he went a few weeks without playing. Once we brought Shields in, it was hard for him. Um, and I just felt we needed to get up to speed and we sent him down there and he's had two good games and... Um, and yeah, we keep an eye on it, and, and it's, it wasn't one. I think a lot of people thought, well, we're just offloading him because we didn't want him, but it was just a case of it. the boy's got potential. Um, he needs to do it more consistently. You see tonight, first half, I thought he was very good, kind of quiet and down second half, but he's, he's nipped up with a goal, and uh, that's great for us. Conditions out there weren't easy as well. Crazy conditions that weather, but I thought you battled well and dominated the midfield, which probably won you the game in the end. Yeah, I, I said that uh, second half... Um, we were looking at making changes, getting fresh legs, but I didn't want to change the three in midfield. I thought we... Um, you can see what Dover did. I think they went young and went with legs in there. I thought Jordan Higgs was outstanding today. I know he's got his goal coming back to his old club, but I thought he was excellent today. He really kind of, in front of a new partnership at the back, or, or a new back four, if you like, um, I thought he was excellent in there. And Waggy and Guardia got that, that energy and quality, and so it was a big area. And we, we said before the game, I, I honestly felt, after watching Dover's last couple, if we could dominate that area I felt we could, we could go on and win the game but I'm just disappointed for, for a couple of them Nathan I thought deserved a goal up front he's, he's been excellent since he's come in the last two games and he's been unfortunate not to not to get on the score sheet um, Paris probably as well and, and we've had some good chances but that's I honestly believe that's why we are where we are in the league So you, you think the position you're at the moment is the right position to be in you know, you're still in and around the playoffs it's quite tight and you're over running away with it but the rest of the playoff position is going to be right up, open I think Yeah they are but we just, uh, it frustrates me because there's been so many games this year that we, you look at, we've had a lot of draws um, and in them games we probably should have won an extra three or four of them and you're right in the mix. Um, everyone knows goal scorers at this level, the teams up the top normally have the goal scorers and, and, and they cost the money and, and we're probably not at that yet but look, I've said all along we've got to establish ourselves as a top ten club, yes I want to make playoffs. Um, from where we were when we come in, we, we finished ninth, I think, last year. We've got to back that up this year and make it a club that players want to come to and want to stay at, not move on at the end of the season for better options. So um, we're going in the right direction. We're, we're, we'll keep plugging away and trying to make them play. So I, I think we've got a, a run of games now where we could come out with good points, but we've got to be more clinical than what we are at the moment. 
Western on Saturday. Another long trip. I think the weather's going to be improved. So they've had a few issues themselves, I think. But it's a tough place to go. But you've got to follow this up. Back-to-back away wins would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, if you look, I think someone said to me, I think 17, 18 games, we've only lost three of them or something like that. But we've drawn too many. But we, it's, it is always a tough place. Very open there. Um, I've seen them a couple of times. Fair enough, I watched one of their, when they played Dover and they, they, played, they played very well. Um, I thought we should have beat them earlier on in the season. We had them really early and we lost 1-0 on a breakaway goal. But they've got players that hurt you. Um, so we'll, we'll go there. We'll, we'll do, our, do our due diligence. But my biggest concern at the moment is, is trying to get a few of these boys back. We've, we, we're missing uh, Ben Swift, Janae Mead, Sean Shields, Ansu Jenner, Jamie Fielding. And when you kind of look at them, probably nine times out of ten, then five will start. Um, so it's, it's difficult for us. But hopefully we can get a couple of them back and we move on. Finally, a word for your old club, Maidstone, which will be a fantastic day for them on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Um, pleased for a lot of a lot of people at the club, um, the supporters especially. Um, don't come around too often, does it? So uh, I'm sure whatever happens down there, they'll go and they'll go and uh, have great support. So um, yeah, I, I hope they enjoy their day, and I'm sure they they make good money out of it. But they're good memories for. Uh, there's a lot of people. Obviously, I'm from that area, and I have got uh, my kids and all their friends, and that have always been supporters. So they're. Um, I'm sure they'll enjoy their day. Um, my notes on this one, Matt, are generally happy, I'd say, but a sense of frustration. Is that, that fair enough? Um, yeah, I think he's, so maybe his consistency in the team, so they've played 30 games, they've won 11 and lost 11. Um, in a good position, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, again, people, I've seen him a few times, I saw him against Hyde. And they weren't very good at Dover. First 45 minutes, they were pretty good. Should have put Dover out of sight. Dover got a, a scrappy equaliser on half time. And I'm sure Jason has gave both barrels to his side from there. But overall, they were the better side in that game. And there was no real complaints. Dover huffed and puffed a little bit. Now, go 16 games to go. How many wins do they need to get in the playoffs? Probably you win 10. 10 of those 16, you probably got a chance of being in there. And they, they've got the the quality in there, of the, they've got some good players, Tunbury Jones, and they've got a good manager. I think it's going to be quite a tight playoff race. It's just finding that consistency from Tunbridge. So um, that, that's that's where it's going to fall down. But he's, they mentioned clearly from that point of view, they finished ninth last season, which was a great achievement. He'll be trying to better that. And if, if he does, there's a good chance he could be in the playoffs. That's exactly what you said there, isn't it? You know, we finished ninth last year and now it's important that we built on that this time around uh, and, and, and go from that. And as he said, I want Tom Daniels to become established at this level of football and a sort of club where players come to and want yeah. to stick around. And I think that's the, that's the massive thing for teams at this level. You see such a great turnover of players. And it, and it's refreshing, actually, to hear a manager sit there and say, you know, we want to build something here. And, and you know, Tomridge is a, a decent-sized town that can support a good... A, a successful football team. And I think, you know, with Jay, they've got a good manager there. And as you say, Matt, the playoff race is going to be tight. Well, I mean, Chelsea City are third with 47 points. Uh, Tommy Jane was in 11th. They've got 41. So there's only six points separating those eight teams. So any of those teams can go on a run and get into the playoffs. That's the thing. Any one of those, I think it's nine teams in that gap. Any one of those teams that goes to run, you could even put Slough in there on 40 points. If you can get a run together, you'll get into the playoffs and then you're in form going into the playoffs as well. And that's the massive thing. We know momentum is going to be huge at the end of the season. Maidstone will hope to be up there, building on their fantastic run. 
But if Tunbridge Angels can can get in there, can put a good run of results together, be hard to beat at home, that's all you need to do to, to be a really good, have a really strong second half of the season. I mean, when they, they've got, what, 16 games to play left in, in the league. So they're not far off two-thirds of the way through the season. I think they'll be happy with where they are, but there is the potential, as there is with any of those teams in that gap of the table, just have a really good run and you're in the playoffs from here. And I think everyone knows that now. Yeah, I think his point is made about keeping a side together for a while. Looking back at his days at Maidstone, that's, that's exactly what he did. Yeah. He managed to keep players together over a couple of seasons, help they were successful, and that can help the club move on. So I think it's good. it could be tougher. There's some big sides in that around in that division who are seasoned sides at this division trying to get into the playoffs. But yeah, I think um, they're going in the right direction. Uh, Jay Saunders. I think that was quite a, after losing to Worthing at the weekend it was probably quite important that they could beat bottom of the table Dover um, and again frustration when they didn't beat them by more but now they've got to follow that up with you know, a tough game at Western on Saturday but back to back away wins puts them, puts them um, in, a good, in a good place Yeah absolutely uh, elsewhere in that division the weather got in the way at the weekend uh, a little bit Welling did something really kind, Matt. I don't know if you saw, but they were home to Truro and they had a pitch inspection on the Friday and called off the day before to save Truro from travelling. It's almost as if that's what Truro uh, should have done for other teams last week. Uh, Welling did play on Monday night, uh, beating 1-0 at Chelmsford, leaving them nine points from safety. Uh, Dover also lost at the weekend down at Torquay. Uh, the Wings head to Hemel Hempstead on Saturday. Uh, Dartford host Weymouth. Dover at home to Slough. And as we have from Jay Saunders, Tunbridge Angels go to Western Supermare. Before Tuesday night, Welling are at home to Hampton and Richmond. And, and I'm worried about Welling, Matt, because we've kept saying, oh, they'll be fine. Nine points from safety is, is a lot, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, we're looking at it for, from that point of view. They've got to try and find some way of of getting some results together quickly if they want to move up the table. Yeah, well, David, David beat one yesterday. They'd have gone ahead of Welling, which shows the issues that Welling have got. Yeah, uh, again, they've moved to this daytime training as well. I don't know if that means that they can attract a better sort of player. Joe Law's gone in. They've lost a couple of um, staff. Um, who couldn't do the daytime training. Yeah, they need to start winning some matches, Welling. To be honest, the bottom four probably bring Taunton in because they've got issues, haven't they? Um, yeah. The bottom four are looking a little bit exposed at the, I have to say, the bottom end of the table. So I would be concerned if you are those bottom four. We don't, um, you thought Eastbourne, you know, the new manager they've appointed, and a bit of money behind it, they might be able to get out of it. But Welling, Haven and Dover, I'd be a little bit concerned. They, they, Well, I'm very concerned about Dover, but I think the others need to be a little bit wary as well. It's one of those, I mean, as I said, it's tight at the top. It's also tight uh, in the lower bottom of the table because between Truro in 19th and Farnborough in 14th, there's only four point gap. Truro are 10 points clear of the relegation zone. They've got a lot of games in hand. But it only takes a couple of those teams at the bottom to go on a run. And then all of a sudden, all those teams looking over their shoulder. And, and you know, it's a tough time of year for, for some teams. They start thinking, oh, we've done enough and, and budgets start maybe getting cut and things like that. And there's, I'm going to make a bold prediction here, Matt. Mm. One of those teams between 14th and 17th, that's Farnborough, Chippen and Weymouth and Western. One of those four is going to go down. Mm. 
There you go. I don't know which one. I'm just well, saying. Sure, your, think... your prediction will be that Dover will win those games and they'll be the side that um, finishes above them then. Nurse, nurse, it's time for Matt's pills. Uh, nurse, <laughs> yeah. no. I'm glad, no. You, I'm glad you didn't say Dartford in that as well because I am at Dartford on Saturday. And of course, is it three weeks? They haven't played for about th- two, three, two, three weeks? Two um, weeks. Uh, since uh, they've sacked Dalson. Yeah, Tony yeah. Berman hasn't managed the game yet. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, this was, the, this was exactly how this conversation started in my head, but I was going to say, well, you'd look at Truro and think they're vulnerable, but if you're going to look at Truro and think they're vulnerable, then unfortunately, you've got to say Dartford are vulnerable. But, you know, I, I, I would think Dartford have got enough quality in there and enough uh, ambition and backing, but I just don't know. I, I just, I've just got a feeling one of those four above them, one of those four above them is going to have a bad second half of the season is going to get dragged into it. That's, that's just a, a, a prediction that I've got in my head, Matt. Well, we'll, we'll uh, play that back to you and um, find out. But it's a quite a big game. Look at that league table, Dartford against Weymouth. A win for Dartford gives them a bit of breathing space. Defeat, you'd be a little bit concerned. A gap's breaking up as well and the other side's looking at it. Yeah, so Tony Berman back in the dugout. I don't know how long that will be, but um, I'm sure we'll get a good reception from the Dartford faithful. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it would be interesting to see how, how they go and if there's been any progress on on the hunt for a new manager. Um, I do know that Tony Berman was was sounding out people to come and join his coaching team, which suggests to me he's looking at it as a sort of certainly medium term sort of thing. I, I don't know if he'll be there to the end of the season or what. That, Matt, is what you're going to have to find out for me on yep. Saturday. No problem at all, mate. Good man. Uh, let's move on down to the scaffold then with a managerial merry-go-round is in full flow after the surprise move of Scott Porter from Hollands and Blair to Lid Town. Uh, James Rogers has stepped down from his role at the leaders to focus on playing. And I'm guessing for Scott Porter, it's probably an easy decision for him, an experienced manager at that level and above. A good move because decent budget down at Lid, and, and I'm assuming a lot closer to home for him as well. So I guess when that opportunity came calling, it probably made sense for him. Yeah, I think was, I think he played for them a bit as well. He's sort of from around the area, a decent manager, did a great job at Hyde, didn't he? Knows the area, knows the players. I feel a bit sorry for James Rogers when we had him on the show earlier. He, he sounded like he was enjoying his managerial um crack but maybe uh, he feels that he wants these can still give a bit more on the playing field be interesting to see if he stays there or he moves on again but um he was doing a decent job there James Rogers and I really hope it works out for him but um Scott Porter going in yeah good solid manager I think they've got aspirations to try to get on the playoffs and uh, we'll keep an eye out for that yeah, and I think, you know, Scott Porter has been at Hythe and, and obviously he's been at Hollands and Blair and, and got them to the cup final a couple of years ago. And, and you know, he's, he's steadied the ship there. But I get the feeling that, yeah, I don't mean any disrespect to Hollands and Blair, but there may be a bit more ambition to get into the playoffs this season at Lidtown. And, and as I say, location-wise, I'm sure it's a no-brainer for him uh, to, to, to move to Lid. And, and the potential is there, Matt. And we didn't actually talk about it last week. Uh, they scored the winner this weekend. Mitch Brundle among the players there. So they've now got... Their centre midfield, two former managers who were managers this season. Mm, interesting, uh, Mitch Brown. I don't know if he's trying to get fit to, and then maybe move up the leagues. But you know, again, if he could get himself fit, which he never did at Dover, he is a good player and probably could be still playing national league. So, uh, um, yeah, if they can attract a player like that, there is definitely uh, aspirations and for for Lead Town. Yes, uh, there has also been a change of manager at Sutton Athletic in the last few weeks. We mentioned uh, that Dan Kelly has stood down. Uh, the man who's been picked to replace him is Ryan Huckle, who at just 23 years old took charge of his first game on Saturday, uh, which ironically enough was the last game in charge of Hollands and Blair for Scott Porter. Uh, I spoke to the new man, Ryan Huckle, earlier on today. The overriding feeling on Saturday was was positive. 
uh, it was all about, you know, going in and seeing what we've got to work with. Um, in, in a way, you know, I've, I've pretty much taken the job blind. I had an opportunity to see them last Wednesday and I watched them train, but realistically, it was just about scoping out where we're at. Um, and all in all, I think we're, I think we're in a good place at the minute, to be honest. Uh, obviously, Dan's been at the club for, for a long time and, and he's brought a lot of success and taken to the highest ev- level they've ever been to. So, so, I suppose, how is it for you coming in with your first managerial job following in his footsteps? Yeah, so obviously Dan done an unbelievable job um, with this football club and I've got nothing but respect for him. Uh, before I took the job, I looked into kind of the history of the club and what he'd done. So massive success and, and fair play to him what he did in his time here. I think a, a massive sell for me and for the football club in terms of me coming in was the fact that, well, you know, Dan was here long term and it was a massive project when he started and they're still at this stage where they're wanting to kick on. So for me, um, albeit early in my managerial career, it's a chance for, for not just myself, but for the club to settle down again. You know, they, they're used to stability. Um, and that's something that I can give them coming in is kind of that, that long-term replacement for, for Dan. You say early in your managerial <laughs> career. I mean, realistically, you're, you're early in your football career because you're still a very young man, aren't you, Ryan? Yeah, that's right, mate. That's right. Obviously, I'd, I'd still be still be playing potentially um, if I hadn't got the injuries that I did. But uh, everything ha- you know, happens for a reason. And I found myself in this position. I started coaching young, started my managerial journey young. And, and obviously it's got me to a place where now I can I can look to kick on, even at the age that I am. I suppose, obviously, you had obviously the, the background at Gillingham and everything like that. And I remember reading your your note you put on Twitter when you retired, like, you know, it was, it was obviously very difficult for you to, at 23, after a cool time on playing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's never something that anyone ever sees coming. <laughs> and the way I used to play, I was, I was an aggressive player. I loved to tackle. And you kind of assume that it's, um, kind of assume that it's never going to happen to you. Um, but ultimately it does. It, it happens to people all the time. And, you know, I've, I've kind of made peace with it. Um, but obviously, when you start coaching as young as I did, after I got my first injury, I kind of knew that, yeah, my my playing career would probably be cut short in some form. But I must admit, I must admit, I didn't think it would be as short as it was. Um, but I think you've got to find some sort of way to make peace with things, and, and I'm lucky enough to have been able to do that. Is it one of those things where something like that happening to you? makes you grow up a little bit more, maybe earlier than other people at your age? Yeah, to be honest, mate, it's, it's a good point. Um, I don't know, your experiences shape you, don't they? Um, I'd say, all in all, uh, I'm reasonably mature for my age, but at the same time, it's like I said, experiences do shape you. And yeah, I had to grow up quite quickly after that first injury. You know, it, I'd just come out of Gillingham when I did it, so I didn't have the support of full-time rehabilitation. I had to go out and get that done on my own independently. Um, obviously, I had a knock-on impact on my job, on, the, on the day job as well. Um, and I was 19 when I first did the injury. So it's a lot of things for a 19-year-old to have to think about. So, you know, go on five or six years where we are now. And, and yeah, so I suppose it has matured me quite quite quickly. We talk a lot, don't we? Or, or well, we don't, but people generally talk about a lot about the support of youngsters who, who get released um, at, at the age you did at Gillingham. It, is, it must be difficult because you must have spent so much of your teenage years dreaming of becoming a professional footballer and then that all gets taken away from you, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of people are in the same boat, and I'm always very, very conscious of... I'm, I'm never going to play the victim. Gillingham Football Club were unbelievable to me for seven or eight years I was there. Absolutely unbelievable. And they've done wonders for myself and for my family. And some of my best mates in the world, you know, I met at that club. So I'll be forever grateful. But I think, realistically, um, there is a massive gap, a massive flaw in the system where players are released and kind of cast out to sea as such. I don't think the support is there sufficiently. Um, I mean, I'd love to be in the position to try and do something about it, but um, we've all got our own things going on. But yeah, I think that's a great point you made, John. I would love to see more support for young people coming out of the game. It's it's not easy. I suppose one way you can do it is now that you're a manager, you can give people a chance. And I guess that might be something that you might be looking to do because it'd be great for Sutton Athletic if you can get some players in who, who will be able to empathize, you'll be able to empathise with what they're going through and then you can build from there. Yeah, it's a good point. I think relatability is a massive thing in football. Um, I've played under a number of amazing football managers, some really experienced ones, some younger ones, you know, tacticians and more man managers. And I've had a real real balance. But um but yeah, taking taking players potentially, yeah, out of the academy setups they're in when they're released and, and into starting athletic is something that I'll definitely look to look to hone in on uh, going forward. Like I said, it's a long term project. So Young players like that, where there is that relatability factor, is definitely something that we'd be looking to do for sure. I don't know a lot about the age profile of the squad you've got at Sutton, but are there many players that are a lot older than you? No, no. So um, we are a young squad. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not the oldest there, but I'm certainly one of them. Um, I think our average age is in and around 21, 22 years old. So it's a young squad in itself. Uh, I think there are a few boys my age and, and potentially older, but all in all, it is a very young squad. I would like to add a little bit of experience to that, um, considering the position that we're in. Although, when Southern Athletic have got an amazing youth set up, and we've always been about promoting youth players and giving youth a chance. So, I say I want some more experience in. Well, I do. I do. I think that's that's, that's a realistic perspective, but promoting youth players and bringing more young players into the football club is definitely the long-term goal. I suppose that makes it a little bit easier for you as well because it could be quite daunting at, at 23 going into a dressing room if they were, if it was full of you know really experienced players who may not be receptive to, to, to younger ideas. Yeah, I think this is the thing and this is the argument um, and why a lot of young managers aren't given the chance potentially they deserve. You know, I've come across some terrific young coaches who have wanted a chance to who haven't been given it. I think there is a an assumption out there that potentially they might be, like you said, daunted by the task of, of managing older players. But I think I've been blessed enough to have been in changing rooms with experienced pros, you know, people who, it's like a sink or swim, especially when I was at Gillingham. So, you know, for me to come in and implement a style of play that I really believe in, with people who might be five or six years older than me, it, to be honest, it, it doesn't really faze me at all. Uh, it's tight down the bottom of, of the scaffold, is it? Only one relegation place, and I guess your your aim is not to be the team that's in that place at the end of the season. Yeah, of course. I, I think that's the aim of everybody in the bottom six or seven at the minute. Um, the league is extremely tight, and everyone's played pretty much the same amount of games. So, so yeah, it's about implementing our style of players as quick as we possibly can. Um, and going from there, obviously, results are paramount. Um, but I think that will be the objective of everybody in and around us. Is that, you, know, you know, one goes down, 
So you've got to pick up the points, and that's the bottom line. Have you got two big games this week against teams that are currently below you? Correct, correct. Yeah, so we've got um, got Russell on Saturday and then Kennington coming up as well. So two two massive games, and I know the opposition will think the exact same. So, you know, all we can do on our side is prepare pro- properly, which I know the boys will. We're training tonight. We're training in half hour, 45 minutes. Um, so, yeah, that's all we can do is prepare properly and do what we can on side. And I suppose just generally, you're hoping that, you know, this is the start of a long career for you in the dugout. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be honest, even before I ever I ever got injured when I was younger, uh, the managing and coaching side of the game is was something that I definitely wanted to to get into. I've been blessed enough to to have been able to get into it as young as I have. But um, but yeah, absolutely. The aim the aim is to kick on. Um, starting a flag is a long term project, and as long as everything goes well, I intend to to be here for as long as I possibly can. And in terms of my own personal aspirations, just like anyone, I, I want to try and go to the very top, you know, achieve things that I didn't quite manage to in my playing career. I think it's the thing, isn't it? Like, I, I was looking up, but we see a lot of successful managers. Uh, I think Jose Mourinho is a good example of that. Are, are players who whose career was curtailed and, and they had to retire young, and then they got involved in the management and the coaching. And it's one of those things where if you can start young and, and get an opportunity, that then the sky can be the limit. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And I, I never beat around the bush when I, I tell people, you know, I I do want to go to the very top. And it's, I was exactly the same way as a player. You know, when I was 16, 17, 18, I really thought at one point, hang on, I can I can really do this. And I, now that I'm managing, I don't think any differently. You know, I, I understand and respect the fact that you've got to, you've got to work hard and, and um, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And I completely understand that. Um, but yeah, in terms of my personal aspirations, I'd love to go to the very top. You know, who wouldn't? Well, Matt, when I was 23, I was struggling to manage my student loan. Uh, that young man, who spoke incredibly well, uh, incidentally, is manager of a, a Step 5 football team. And, and after that chat, you can only wish him the very best of luck, can't you? What a um, good interview that was and how well he came across and of what he wants to achieve. Um, it, it's a brave decision, I have to say, to appoint him. I think he's, I read up the background, he was sort of an under-19 manager, but not a brave decision. Again, you mentioned in there that certain um, good managers who've had wonderful careers were, were people who injury um, caused them not to be a player and they've turned into a manager. But what have they got to lose by giving him a chance? Um Clearly, he's got his head screwed on, wants to do well. Um, and, he, and he sounded like a seasoned pro manager there, John. We've had some managers on the on the show here who, um, no disrespect to them, have been managing for a long time, but they weren't as eloquent and um, well-drilled as uh, Ryan was there. Yeah, and I think, you know, with, with the one relegation place, that and that's all there is, you know, it, it's, yeah, they're in trouble down the bottom there. But I, I get the feeling that, you know, they're, they're probably confident that they won't be the one that goes into the trapdoor and they, they've given him this opportunity. And, and what I like there was he was saying, this is a long-term project. You know, the previous manager was there a long time and I want to build on that. This is a club that likes stability. You know, they're not the best supporting club in the division. Of course they're not. But if they can build a stable thing and, and, and do it their way and do it Ryan's way, you know, it was interesting talking about, you know, do you go and try and find young players who are hungry? You know, and he said, you know, there's not many players in the squad that are a lot older than me. I'd, I'd actually like to address that.
but you know, I, I guess what I was trying to say, and I don't know if Mitch Brundle found this a little bit, but when you go into a dressing room and there's players four or five years older than you and you're and you're managing them, I, I wonder if it's difficult to to get that respect. But it sounds to me like Ryan, you know, he, he knows his stuff. And, and uh, I'm sure if he had turned up and spoken like he's spoken to us there, instant respect from all of those players, yeah? Absolutely. Um, and I think you mentioned there that the, heart, the, the setback of, you know, having been a professional with Gillingham, going into the non-league, that, 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 that heartbreak of not becoming a player clearly is he wants to be involved in football and what's best what even better is to be involved as a manager of a team at 23 and I admire Sutton Athletic for giving him the job um he's gone for it and they've said well what, what have we got to lose here again if they stay up this season he's done job done and then he can build from there and hopefully he can get in some young players who as he mentioned released from academies you know pick them up and give them a career because we say this if you're playing at this level you've got to be a good player and hopefully ryan knows if you play good players and works what he's got um it'll, it'll be a success and I, and I will follow his um journey from afar john because you want it to be successful yeah and uh, just in case anyone's thinking oh 23 uh, i know you struggle with things like this sometimes uh, by my reckoning that young man is the first manager to take charge of a scaffold game who was born this millennium there you go crazy Funny enough, I think he was the first player to play for Dover who was born in the second millennium because he played once for Dover. I've got to got a stat for that somewhere. I think he was. He was the first player who played one game for Dover who was born in the 21st century. So, yeah, amazing. So good luck. Good luck to him. And we'll try and get him on. Good to get him on at the end of the season, John, and see how, um, uh, how he's got on and. Uh, we'd be really interested to follow up that interview, I think. Yeah, it was it was, it was great. And, and thank you to Ryan for his time. I know he had a really busy day and he was just about to go to training as well uh, when I spoke to him. But, you know, I thought that was that was a really, really good one. You know, I, sometimes I put the phone down after an interview and I know when it's good. Uh, and that was definitely what in that he, box. What did, he, did he say what he does for a day job? Is he involved in he, football? He didn't know. He didn't say. No, so, yeah, so it's a, but again, everybody, you know, even at this, this levels, management is 24-7. So I'm sure his phone's going off. Uh, all the time. Good luck to him. Yeah, yeah, massive good luck to him and big game to them at the weekend. Uh, as I say, but talking of big games in the scaffold, uh, the big one on Saturday was at Salters Lane where Tom Warrow's first home game in charge ended in a 2-0 defeat to Glebe, a result which takes the Chiselhurst side four points clear at the top of the table, although Corinthian and Deal with four and five games in hand respectively are only six points behind. A lot of games called off on Saturday due to the weather, but Lidtown scored twice in a minute, the winner by Mitch Brundle as they came from behind to beat Homestale 2-1. Well, Stansfield beat Wellington by the same score. And VCD overcame Kennington by two goals to nil. Uh, fixtures on Saturday. It's Fisher against Faversham. Glebe against Snodland. Hollands and Blair against Corinthian. Holmesdale against Beersted. Kennington take on Town, Lordswood against Stansfeld. Lidtown against VCD Athletics. Sutton Athletic against Rostall. It's Wellington against Dealtown. Whitstall Town against Punjab United. And then on Tuesday next week, Matt, some... Two absolute blockbusters on Tuesday night in the Scaffold Premier Division. You ready? 
I know it's deal against Faversham, isn't it? Deal Town against Faversham Town and Irith Town against Glebe are the t- first two games uh, in that division next week. Uh, massive games. Hollands and Blair at home to Homestale. It's Kennington against Sutton Athletic. Rostall against Fisher. Corinthian go to Stansfeld. It's Tunbridge Wells against Lidtown. And then on Wednesday night, Snodland Town meet Whitstall Town. That game, that deal against Faversham game, I mean, I was at the return game of that one, which to proved to be Sammy Moore's last game in charge. But that is huge, isn't it? Yeah, because Tommy Warrenow won his first game of lost, lost in the Cup, I see, as well. So I don't think Faversham really could afford to lose that game if they want to get champions. So I'm sure there'll be a decent crowd at deal next week. Um, yeah, absolute cracker. It should be uh, um, fireworks um, involved there. And it's a shame because I know a few people are going, but I've got something, uh, I don't, something on which I haven't finished till eight on Tuesday, so I won't be able to get oh. there. But um, but otherwise, I would have been there for that. But yeah, should be a cracker. Maybe we'll get Kingy on on the Wednesday and Tommy as well to see um, their, their views of the game. Yeah, and uh, I suppose it's a bit annoying as well. There's also a train strike on Tuesday, which might affect some uh, people, ground hoppers who may want to well, make back, their way down to the deal back, as well. Trains back on strike, are they? Yeah, back on strike on Tuesday. No trains on Tuesday, so I've got to work from home. Um, so sad, And sadly, my work from home doesn't mean taking my laptop to deal uh, to watch that game. But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, so all the fun of the fair. Can't wait. Love it. But yeah, should be, uh, should be a crack of that. Should be really good. Yeah, just the three games in the first division this weekend. A 2-2 draw uh, for Rochester that leads AFC Whiteley. For 2-1 win for Staples Monarchs at Brydon Ropes. And K-Sports went down 2-1 at Lewisham Borough. Uh, there is also a game taking place, which well, is just about finished now, uh, in the first division on Wednesday night. Let me just have a quick look at the score. I need to hit refresh because it was 0-0 last night. Uh, 1-0 uh, to Brydon Ropes in that game at Tooting Beck. Uh, So there you go. That's you up to date uh, with the Southern Counties East League. Uh, Let's move on to the Eastman East Southeast where Ramsgate continue to go at a great pace uh, and in their quest to get to the top. But Cray Valley PM are still very much breathing down their neck after a couple of great results for them as well. Cray Valley uh, won at Lansing on Saturday and followed that up with a 3-0 win at Chichester on Tuesday while the Rams were winning 2-0 at Three Bridges. To be honest, though, there's only one game on Tuesday night that I really care about, and, that's <laughs> yeah. and it's got nothing to do with any of our teams. So listen up, Kent-based teams. If you want to be really focused on this show, you do what Broadbridge Heath and Merston did and draw six all on a Tuesday night in January. I mean, come on, unbelievable scenes, that, isn't it? Yeah, I did. Well, I was looking for the scores when I got in last night. Blimey, it took me about five minutes to work out who was in front, because it's one of those games that seem... Somebody scored, I think about three times, then somebody else went down the other end and scored. So it took me an absolute while to work out what the actual um, uh, score was in from there. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. But just as amazing, Ramsgate fan at work. Yeah, we won two at three bridges. Surely that's the lead totaled up. But I did say Cray won again. And Craig, three games in hand, still got to play Ramsgate. It's, um, yeah, you've got, I have to say, fair play to Ramsgate for being... Relentless. Absolutely, they've been relentless, but fair play to Cray as well. Um, I think we might we need probably we need to get um, Steve McKim probably on the uh, phone again, don't we, to see uh, yeah how they're going. But yeah, interestingly, they've won all their away games, but drawn five at home, which could be the difference come end of it. But still unbeaten after nineteen. But fair play for these two juggernauts at the top of the table. I think that win at Lansing was really big yeah. uh, on Saturday because obviously Ramsgate had lost to them, hadn't they? And and uh, to come back, just what I just what I know I know we're not talking about it. Uh, the attendance at Broadbridge Heath against Merston was eighty, 
So that is a goal for every 6.6 supporters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a few transfer moves knocking around in that division as well. And, and one that really caught my eye, Matt, was uh, Danny Parrish, uh, released by Ashford. A couple of players moved on from Ashford this week. Uh, but Danny Parrish has signed uh, for Sittingbourne to boost their promotion push. That's an interesting uh, signing for them, isn't it? Yep, got good goals, got a good record at that level. Um, still with Ryan Maxwell, I, I think Sittingbourne fancy themselves to easily get in the playoffs, and that's a, a good signing for them who, who score goals. And I think I still think Ryan Maxwell has done a really good job at Sittingbourne, um, and, and they're attracting good players as well. So yeah, yeah, good signing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other results in the division, uh, it was Ashford nil, East Grinstead won on Saturday. Beckenham lost 4-0 at Chichester. Cray Valley, just the one goal for them in that win at Lansing. Herne Bay, 2-0 winners at Phoenix Sports. And Sheffield United beat Littlehampton by two goals to one. And on Tuesday night, uh, we've already mentioned the wins for Three Bridges and Cray Valley and the quiet one at Broadbridge Heath. But Beckenham were also in action. Uh, they lost 4-0 at home mm. to Burgess Hill. Uh, just nine points from 20 games for the Becks. They're nine points from safety. Uh, not looking good for them, I'm afraid to say. Uh, fixtures this weekend in the Isthmian League Southeast Division. On Saturday, Beckenham are at home to Merston. Uh, it's Cray Valley PM against Ashford United. So a return to Cray Valley for Kevin Watson. Uh, Erith and Belvedere take on Phoenix Sports. Uh, that's 19th against 17th in that division. It's Herne Bay against Sittingbourne. Uh, Ramsgate against Sheppey United. Seven Oaks against Hythe Town. And then in midweek on Tuesday night, really playing catch up now with these games. Beckenham against Irith and Belvedere. So that's another massive game with the foot of the table there. Uh, Cray Valley at home to Horndean. Uh, East Grinstead is the destination for Sittingbourne and it's Hyde Town against Hearn Bay. Uh, really all going off there. And, you know, we, we talk about the tops and we talk about the tops a, a lot. Uh, but at the bottom, you've got two Kent teams there who are a fair whack from safety. So, um, you know, Irith and Belvedere have only scored 10 goals in 21 games, uh, which would be a worry for them. Uh, while Beckenham Town have only have only got nine points, as I've already said. Um, so you do worry for both of those teams. They do play each other on Tuesday night. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, let's move on up to the Ismini Premier Division. And initially, I wasn't actually going to play this next interview, but then I actually listened to it and it's really good. Again, uh, Matt was at uh, Margate on Saturday where the Gates' long winless run continued. Mark Stimson's long winless run continued. Uh, and after the game, the defeat to Bognor Regis, uh, the Margate manager, who's only been the job for just over a month or so, but has already had to meet Matt three times, mm-hmm. uh, spoke very candidly about the struggles that they're facing. No, the, the group, uh, when I came in, it needed sort of uh, help. We've tried to do that and bring some players in, but unfortunately at the moment we're just bringing youngsters in who uh, are giving their all, but uh, probably not got the experience we probably need in this, in this situation we're in. So uh, that's something I'm, I've been trying since day one uh, to get, and I was even on the phone this morning to an experienced player on the way to the game to try and uh, convince him to come and join the club. And uh, that's all I can do is keep trying to bring players in. It's it's very difficult this moment in time but for many reasons, but... Uh, now the result today was not what we wanted. We, you know, I thought the first half was a even game. Both teams had chances, uh, and then second half we sort of uh, we give them with a first goal. We've had seen it on the video, but it looked a, a gimme to me. It was a it was poor play, um, hesitation there, and you know they've took it and scored. And after them, we've got to go for it. We had to change the formation, go to a four four two, and then they've picked us off again with a 
from my point of view, a very cheap goal. You know, we spoke about the right winger getting inside and uh, how he was allowed to be inside and roll it across the goal was uh, definitely, definitely not in the plan today. Uh, when you came in, do you know it was a, a tough job? Is it more difficult than you thought? Uh, obviously, it was a tough job uh, because of the situation the club was in. Uh, I thought it possibly may have been a bit easier to get one or two players in, uh, but unfortunately, at the time, Christmas time, players don't really want to leave, and a couple of players I went for were sort of on the bench and getting minutes in teams that are in playoff positions. And since then, those players have, have got quite a few minutes due to injuries at other clubs, so that's not helped us. So then we've had to keep looking, keep looking. Like I said, we've bought young lad in from Tunbridge. Uh, we brought a young lad in from Colchester who both technically do well uh, and they're both keen. But uh, at the moment in time, I think we need one or two more experienced players. And again, you look at our starting team today without Ben and Sam and that's the experience I'm talking about. You know, I, th- I think if we had them two in the team and then playing to their maximum, I think it's a different result today. But... There's suspensions and injuries, and uh, we have to we have to dust ourselves down and uh, try and stay as positive as possible. And we just said to the players there, you know, it's 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 not what we want. It's not uh, a result we want, you know. And at the end, and I can understand the fans, uh, the noises they're making and the songs they're singing, and uh, that hurts. That hurts me, and it should hurt the players as well because we don't want to be hearing that. Uh, but I totally understand it, and you know I've backed the, the supporters since I've been here, and again after the game today, they're still clapping these players off the pitch. So for that, for them to do that, and uh, is remarkable. And all I can say is. We're working as hard as I can. Like I said, I was on the phone on the way to the game. I'll be on the phone on the way home tonight and we'll be on the phone again tomorrow. We're trying to bring in a better quality of player and uh, hopefully you can do that sooner rather than later. As management changed, they saw Troy Dean this week criticising his players. Since you've been in the management a long time, do you have to work with players differently than they did maybe 15, 20 years ago? Oh, 100%. It, the game has changed... Uh, not all for the good. You know, I think the stadiums at the top level and the pitches at the top level are fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I was... When I played, I got told the truth. If I was bad, I was told I was bad in front of the, in front of the team, in the press, and you got on with it. And that, was a, that for me, was my uh, G-up and that was my motivation to make sure that manager didn't say the same about me ever again. Can you do that now in that dressing room? You can't do it anywhere now, unfortunately. It's a totally different world out there. And I, and then that's why I say I don't think it's for the good. I think, you know, players, uh, they care, but I don't know if they care enough. Uh, and I think it gets to a point when you when you win something or you get relegated, you understand that, that feeling. And uh, it's, you know, I've been on both ends of it and... It's great and it's not good, uh, and you don't want that. So as a player, until you experience that, and I think a couple of players here I look at, they've probably just had careers at the moment where they've just been plodding along and done nothing. So they just, they just think this is football, but it's not. It's all about winning, and that's the most important thing. Even if you're in a a five-a-side at training, even if you're in a sprint race with someone, you want to win. And how do you win? Well, most of the time, you've got to work hard in the opposition. Don't give them a chance. And at the moment, I think we're giving too many chances away, like I said, for the first goal today. Back-to-back away games against sides at the higher end of the table, but, you know, your commitment and passion still there, you can turn this around? 
Oh, my passion and commitment will never go. This is this is in my blood. This is this is my massive buzz. This game and uh, it's been hit lately with these losses uh, because I don't like it. I don't enjoy it one bit. It will ruin my weekend. It will ruin my week. But I'll look forward Monday probably. I'll start to look forward to next week's game and start preparing that. And yeah, two tough games. Two teams who play good, attractive football. Uh, we've got to go there and make sure that we're first and foremost we're we're horrible. And then if we get anything, it's a bonus. I think he's found it a lot harder than he was expecting that, especially the, the recruitment side of things. Yeah, I see they've released three players in the week as well. He played on and Manpolo, who scored the winner for Tunbridge. He's on Jewel Reggie, he scored the winner. Um, and he played for Margate. I don't think he'll be playing again uh, this weekend for them. Yeah, I think he probably has. And maybe he thought the quality in the squad would be a bit better. Yeah, Margate's really struggling. Um to create any chances and score goals. Uh, I, I thought probably, you know, look with a better team, fully deserved it, but they just didn't look lack of confidence when you've gone 14 games without a win, you're not scoring many goals. Once they conceded one, the heads went down. So really sort of frustrating from a Margate point of view and from Mark Stimson. As we know, he's a good manager. It just hasn't hit the, um, hit it going yet, you know. And I think he's getting a bit frustrated um, as well. And I think he's got to work on a few things. And I, I would have thought by the um, Saturday, there'll be a, a few new players coming in. It must be difficult, Matt, because, you know, it's all well and good for Mark Simpson to say, I want to bring players in. I want to do this, this and this. But with where they are in the league and, and you talk about how momentum, they haven't got any, they're struggling to create, create chances. They're only just outside the, the relegation zone. Teams below them got games in hand. It's probably a hard sell at the moment, isn't it? Um, well, the only body bonus from, I think it probably is, but I think Mark Stimson has probably got enough credit in the bank for players to think, right, I'll go and work and, and um, work for Mark Stimson because I know that what you're going to get out of it, you can normally build successful teams. Margate, a, a little bit, you know, a bit longer than Dover. Margate are, are a, a club in the doldrums. You can't seem to get any momentum, any results going, probably for five, six years or so, five, where they where they are. And hopefully, with the, you know, there's a bit of work going on at the ground, that could be the catalyst. But yeah, it, it's a difficult job. I thought he probably thinks it um, would be a little bit easier, but he's got to work on that squad because I think some of the players are just, just not up to the level or have that desire to maybe get them out of the hole they're in at the moment. The thing is as well is Margate should be an attractive proposition because you look at some of the teams in that division, Margate are a big club in that division. Yeah. And and one thing that should be working in their favour as well is that Mark Simpson's on an 18-month contract. You know, he has a contract for next season as the manager. And, and I guess the big thing with that is, you know, if, if you were to go in now and impress and help get them up the table, then you'd be hoping to be part of a successful team next season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what Margate don't want to do, if is start panicking now because Margate have gone through some managers in a, for a while and Mark Stimson, you, I know his record this season hasn't been great, um, but I think he, he is, if he's given time, he can build a team that Margate, Margate can't panic up to, you know, if there's you know, two away games now on the spin, if you can get him to get his own players in, um, I think that will be a good chance, hopefully. Uh, maybe the board have seen that right, the results aren't going away. And he said to him, right, 
I need X amount to get some players out, which he's clearly done this week, and to get some more in. Yeah, only folks in the Victor uh, were in action of our other teams this week. Uh, didn't go great for them. They drew 0-0 at Harrogate Borough on Saturday for a 2-1 defeat at Canby Island. And they, despite their little renaissance, were only five points in front of Gate. Um, so still, I can't believe we've got teams 16, 17th and 18th in this division. But uh, one of those, I suppose, uh, games on Saturday in the Eastman League Premier Division. Uh, Craig Wanderers at home to Wingate and Finchley. Uh, it's Folkestone against Carshalton. Uh, Chatham Town are at home to Canby Island and Margate are just down the road from me at Lewis. Lovely place to watch a game of football, that. Uh, and then on Tuesday night, uh, lots of rearranged games like there is every other division at the moment. Chatham at home to Hashtag United. Uh, Folkestone and Victor are at home to Hornchurch. And it's Hastings against Margate uh, in that division. Margate, two games for them down in uh, deepest, darkest Sussex as well, Matt. Uh, neither of those easy places to go. And as you say, those games um, will be pretty decisive uh, for Margate in their endeavours. I think the you moment. just need to get a win from somewhere, John. That's half the battle, I think. Do you think they it's just like... need a goal off someone's backside to do, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised Charlie Stimson, I don't know if he's injured, hasn't turned up. I thought he'd be the first signing because he follows his dad around. So um, maybe he's one of the ones that we're going to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, internationally, we're... Ipswich United have moved out of the bottom four. Uh, some of our teams would love to be in that sort of form at the moment. Uh, they lost one at home to Hartlepool on Saturday, but they followed that up with a 1-0 win at Maidenhead themselves uh, on on Tuesday night to lift themselves out of the bottom four. And psychologically, Matt, that's got to be massive, hasn't it? Uh, I, again, I think at one point yesterday with everybody else winning, they were going to be struggling. Um, sort of a few points ensconced in that relegation zone. Yeah, I, I still think Ipswich have got enough to win it. Good result against the Magnet side. That was probably a, a real six points. If Magnet had won that, it would have really given them a big uh, leap on Ebsleet. So, um, yeah, really good result for them. Hopefully, they've they've turned in the right direction. Uh, nothing better than a clean sheet. They were beaten by a wonder goal against Hartlepool. And I'm led to believe a draw would have been the, the, the best, uh, would have been a fairer result. But, yeah, yeah, going in the right direction and good to see Woken in the relegation zone as well. I thought you'd be pleased about that. Uh, in the uh, also in the National League, Bromley, a couple of draws for them this week. Uh, 2-2 with Bournemouth on Saturday and then 1-1 at Aldershot on Tuesday night. Uh, they travel to Fylde on Saturday. What a lovely destination that is on a Saturday in January. Uh, while Ebb Street United go to play bottom place Oxford City. Uh, momentum key for them at the moment. If they can make it three wins in four, they'll be absolutely delighted, won't they? I'm sure Ebb Street have got enough to... I think they lost, I think they lost to Oxford in the previous... In the, a reverse fixture, but I, Quite I think heavily, I fancy them. Yeah, I think I, I fancy them to beat Ebsley, uh, Ebsley to win that game as well. So, yeah, I'm confident Ebsley are now turn the corner and uh, can move up the table and um, plan ahead for next season. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, good people at the club as well. So uh, pleasing for them. To, well, we want all our clubs to do well. Let's be brutally honest. There's no, uh, there's no bias or malice here. Uh, we just want everybody to do well. Uh, that is. All of the football chat, we've been through all the divisions. Uh, well done, us. Uh, and Matt Gerald is still in bed and probably I'm planning his... toast. I am I toasty bet. warm on my on this electric blanket. I have to say, my legs are lovely and warm. So um, it's going to take a lot for me to get out of my pit and um, tell the kids to go to bed, which they should do now. Because the, with, the, with their mother being away, they're pushing the, pushing the boundaries a little bit. So I need to be strong, Dad, in a moment. Um, when you bought the electric blanket... Um, yep. Did you and Mrs. Gerard realise that was the moment that you went into middle age? 
we've we've got we've got we've got we've got a dual one. So I've got one side for me. I can put my hips on, and then because but they are very good, John. Just just the my legs are so lovely and tasty and warm. But if it saves me putting the heating on, because I'm led to believe I was sold this one that it's it's a lot cheaper than putting the heating on. When when the bill comes through, I could be I've had the the wall pulled over my eyes on this, but I'm led to believe it's cheaper than the heating. And as my wife loves putting the heating on, I thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna uh, go with this. So um, she seems pleased. So I'll confirm back if it was a wise decision when the bill comes soon. Um, I don't ever need to worry about electric blankets, uh, and nor does uh, Fee, because uh, I am like an absolute radiator in bed anyway. I, I'm always hot in bed, and, and <laughs> please don't take that out of context. Uh, <laughs> But I am literally like the warmest thing in the world in bed. I don't, I don't know why it is. This is a strange question. Do, do you sleep naked? Bloody <laughs> Gerard. How dare you? I don't actually know. Um, when when it's cold, like, and, and I'm here on my on my Jack Jones, uh, I do tend to go to go to bed wearing like a hoodie and and pajamas. Uh, and then, but I tend to, even in the summer, I like to have certainly pajama bottoms on. Oh, right. Ladies, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this chat. Um, but yeah, I always like to have. Um, yeah, I, I I always have to have some sort of covering on me. And like, I'm not one of those people, especially when it's really hot in the summer, can just like throw the covers off and just lie there as well. Oh, I have no, to have, no, no, I have, no, to have no. a cover. You know, I'm 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 quite strange in that aspect. But yeah, I, I, like literally in the, in the middle of the night, it's like I'm a radiator in in bed. So you know, uh, yeah. But no, but honestly, like. It is an invention of high, high quality and high gratitude in my house because I'm absolutely because where I was sitting um, waiting for the do the pod, I was getting quite cold. So but I'm in here now. I'm absolutely toasty. Lovely. No, mate, honestly, this, this is but it's it's I'm pleased. Oh, I'm quite happy. being. I am middle aged, John. I'm quite happy about these various things that I'm, uh, you know, I don't want to be. 21 again I, I want to be that grumpy old man who enjoys the things like this and of course we have had a manager on today who's less than half your age which that, well, uh, yeah exactly yeah oof, so, that's uh <laughs> that's a bit concerning yes uh, really is uh any tv recommendations for us this week oh uh, yeah i'm watching uh a bit i think it, it was i can't remember what it's called it's the british equivalent of curb your enthusiasm if you like that um when this guy gets involved in sort of a Jewish guy involved in various um, incidents um, with his family. So I, I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's quite funny. It's on, it's on Amazon and it's got um, high praise. So um, I'll, I'll remember what it's called next week, but I've watched a few of the series, but it's it's made me chuckle. Um, we'll finish Reacher on Amazon. And Any apart good? from that, yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, yeah. He's double hard, Reacher. Really, <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, he's an absolute unit and... Um, yeah, he beats a lot of people up, but it's it's, it's a good program, Richard. Yeah, but um, else we we need to get on to onto other programs. When my wife's back, we'll we'll try and um, sort a few other programs out. So, um, but we did watch the um, Kevin Hart film with the kids, which we enjoyed. This new heist one when he has to um, hijack a plane in the air, which was quite good. So that was the movie recommendation of the week. It was it was ten days ago now, but um, if you have any interest at all in Taskmaster, Taskmaster Champion of Champions three. Uh, was on and it was absolutely magnificent. Your your mate from Ghosts, uh, Kyle, uh, oh, yeah. he's, very, 
didn't win, he was back and he was very, very good value. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, yeah, great fun, actually. One of the best Taskmaster episodes in a long time. So that was uh, very good. So, uh, yeah, do seek that one out. Apart from that, I've just been I've just been working and travelling in horrible weather conditions, basically. I suppose it's a busy time for you as well, because there's a load of Premier League games coming up. Is it double-headers? Uh, yeah, so, well, no, there's no games on Saturday. There's a midweek programme next week, so that's going to be busy. Also, uh, because, you know, the fixture schedulers really, really love uh, uh, journalists, um, it's the transfer deadline next week as well. So Is that, is, know, that, is, that, is that the same day, or is that the week that's the first or second? Thursday is the deadline. Um, but, you know, it's, I mean, it's just what you need after back-to-back nights of, of Premier League football is another load. Is, of, even, uh, is even the Football League will be the first as well, is it? I believe so. It's all of it on the first, yeah. So it gives everybody the chance to uh, to to get everything done. But honestly, you know, what were these eight o'clock games on a Saturday night? It's just no respect, is there? And yeah. You know, the, the, I think... Uh, is, uh, any, any big transfers you're expecting, John? I know you've got your snout to the ground. Not really, actually. It's very quiet, isn't it? I, mean, I was just going to add, there's two bloody games on Thursday night as well. Um, but no, it's been... An astonishingly quiet transfer window, isn't it? I did a thing uh, the other day about how much has been spent this window compared to previous ones. And, you know, I don't think we're even at 50 million in the Premier League yet. Whereas last January, it was about 400 million. Well, I think they're all skint. I think they're all petrified about the old bloody FPP uh, Uh, regulations, which apply to some clubs and not others, seemingly. And I think, you know, teams are just kind of having to look at it and think, no, we're just going to go with what we've got. Um, I w- and I never understand why. I've got a whole month to do this. I never understand why there's so many last-minute deals. You know, surely the second the the, the, tran- the summer transfer window closes, they should be looking now and thinking, right, let, what, where did we miss out on? What do we need? You know, there are people now whose whole job is player recruitment. So you would have thought that they'd be spending their time between September and December lining up these transfers and getting them done as soon as they can in January rather than waiting until the last knockings. But seemingly that's the way it's always going to be. And I'm sure, you know, not necessarily expecting anything big, but I'm sure there'll be something stupid that'll happen later on next week and someone will spend some money, won't they? Well, Scott, I'll be hoping that is the case anyway. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it'll be, well he's not there anymore, is he? But there's someone will be wearing a yellow tie mm-hmm. and making a big song and dance about all of this nonsense. Anyway, that is it for this week's show. Uh, don't forget you can find us on social media. Uh, on so on Twitter slash X, we're at Kent NL Podcast. On Facebook, search for Kent Non League Podcast and search for the group Non Kent Non League Football Chats. You can also find us on Threads and Instagram at Kent Non League Podcast. And if you find any posts we've made on there, well done. Uh, I'm at John Phipps eighty one. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, another absolutely belting week. Uh, Matt is going to be at Dartford on Saturday. I am going to a game as well, but I haven't decided where yet. I think I've narrowed it down to three or four. Uh, but a full load of midweek fixtures next week is not the one uh, for me as I'm going to a game on Saturday. But we shall see how we go. Uh, thank you to all of our guests for their time this week. Really, really enjoyed those interviews. Uh, thanks to Matt, of course, for lying in bed and doing the podcast. And of course, most importantly, thank you to every single one of you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. I uh, hope you all have a good weekend. Massive good luck to Maidstone. Come on the Stones. Happy birthday, Dave. And we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Lonely Podcast. Yeah, 5,000 Maystone fans, this is a message for you. Make yourself loud, make yourself proud, and whatever you do, enjoy the day, whatever the result. You might not see this again as a Maystone fan, so really do enjoy it. And we're all willing so well from the Kent Non-League podcast. Come on, the Stones. <laughs>